fans to another edition of talk more talk a solo beatles video cast this is a show that uh, most of the time we broadcast bi-weekly every two weeks monday nights at 9 p.m eastern right here on our facebook page it's a show where we talk mainly about the solo careers of the beatles i'm ken michaels hopefully you know me for my syndicated beatles radio program called every little thing which just recently, I got my 50th radio station, so I'm very ah, happy about that. Congratulations. And, um, thank you. Um, yeah, onward and upward. Going to make it up to 100 soon, I think. <laughs> All and, right. And uh, you might also know my other Beatles podcast show, which is also bi-weekly, called Things We Said Today. And uh, here on this show, I am joined by three people who are among my best friends. Certainly, certainly in the video world, <laughs> not the internet here. And uh, I'm proud to introduce them. Hello, mine. First of all, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> uh, I thought it was Teddy Oberman. I thought he was your, your best friend there. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Oberman. first of all, <laughs> we have the queen of everything. Queen of social media, me social media, and. Um, you know, Ringo said Elizabeth Reigns, uh uh, kiddo tool reigns. She is the best at everything, and she is the author of Songs You Are Singing, Guided Tours to the Beatles' Lesser Known Works, and also Michael Jackson FAQ, All That's Needed to Know About the King of Pop. And also, thank God, a shorter title here Phantom and the Beatles that she wrote with Ken Womack. Welcome, Kit, to our show. Thank you so much, Ken. Hi, everybody. And, and Ken, I think you have to follow me around now and just introduce yeah. me all the time because that's that. I mean, <laughs> I don't think anybody could. No, he's got to walk in front of you and lay pet rose petals on the ground <laughs> as you're walking. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> you have always got the best backdrops here. Right. You know, yeah, that's appropriate... right. I had to do roses tonight. Yeah, yeah. he needs to walk with you. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> pun, pun warning, pun warning for yeah, tonight. Yeah. We should do a show. We should do tonight's show. Follow that with Red Rose Speedway. Uh, yeah, Rose there you show. go. <laughs> okay. There you go. But uh, good to have you here with us, Kit. And hello. <laughs> <laughs> also, we have Tom Hunyadi. You know him for being one half of the team of Two Legs, the solo Paul McCartney podcast, along with Andy Nichols. He's been doing that now for five years, believe it or not, always oh, cranking wow. out new shows. 
and uh, welcome to the show, Tom. Thank you, Ken, Kit, Joe. Great to see you guys as always, and it's going to be another fun one. Yep. Okay, Tom. And we also have Joe Mayo, also known as me, Mr. Mayo, and um, he has how many subscribers now to his YouTube channel? I've oh. lost count. 11,000 change, I suppose. Okay. A long way off from a million, but I'm I'm going and trying to go there. <laughs> going up, 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 up. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> but Joe does a lot of shows on pop culture and, of course, the Beatles. Every time yeah. I have YouTube on, he's on. He's there all the time. Yeah. yeah. Like 24-7. So yeah. welcome, everybody, to our show. Um, this time out, we're going to be taking a look at this album, right here there you go this year actually next month celebrates its 40th anniversary can't and believe I it that... <laughs> <laughs> i remember buying it when it was new 40 years i remember that too um and actually i think joe most of all is looking forward to this because ever since he's been a part of this show he's been plugging this album right behind him you've got that <laughs> cardboard cutout yeah display of ringo yeah. This is your moment. I <laughs> oh, can't see because of the glare. You stand there with Ringo. Well, you do that all the time. You sit with Ringo. You... You're always yeah. with Ringo in the background there. And that's he looked like he wanted to join the, the village people in that in that shot. Yeah. So, uh, so when yeah. you're when you're walking towards him, do you stop like he's suggesting? <laughs> well, that's what that's the idea. Yeah, like a policeman, I suppose he's doing. Like... <laughs> From the video, put that out in like the street or something like that, and see if people actually <laughs> stop. Yeah, right. <laughs> Would they? Yeah. <laughs> hmm. uh, well, anyway, we're going to be reminiscing about "Stop and Smell the Roses" on today's show. And um, before we do, we have, as usual, a lot of news to get to, and this is actually our first show in three weeks, so we got a, a lot of uh, catching up to do right here on Talk More Talk. First of all, last Thursday, there were free screenings in venues and online of John and Yoko's Imagine Film in celebration of the album's 50th anniversary, accompanied by a Twitter listening party. Also on Friday, we saw a limited edition special white vinyl release for John Lennon's Imagine. Following the incredible box set that came out in 2018, this is a double vinyl release with the remix of the album from Paul Hicks and an album of outtakes, similar to the double vinyl version that came out at the time of the box set. The only difference is this is all in white vinyl. It's for the collector. I think I'm looking at a few of them right now here on this. <laughs> I, I did not get it. Yeah. <laughs> Tom. <laughs> Tom, you have it? No, no, I, <clears throat> no. I passed as well. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, let it be. But, let it be. It's not Paul. <laughs> let it be. That's yeah, not Paul. That's hey, hey, hey. Get, get back and let it be, or you know, no priorities right now. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, uh, there's more here on John Abbey Road Studios proudly announces a John Lennon Imagine Folio in partnership with Yoko Ono Lennon. This is a pair of A3 limited edition prints exclusive to the Abbey Road shop, which detail facsimiles of John's drawings and handwritten lyrics, limited to, to uh, 500 prints. The Imagine Folio makes for a perfect collector's item. Another collector's item here hmm. to talk about. Speaking of which, get ready there, Tom. 
<laughs> a brand new limited edition issue has just come out for the Super Deluxe Edition magazine on Paul McCartney's Press to Play album. Right on cue. Only 1,000 copies were made, all of which were signed by editor Paul Sinclair. And the first 500 are signed by, look at that right there, Tom has it, Hugh Padgham, who mm -hmm. co-produced the album with Paul and includes an interview with Padgham, stories behind all the songs, plus others recorded during the sessions that weren't included on the album, like Spies Like Us and Hang Glide. And you just got that today, right, Tom? Just today. Absolutely. So haven't even had a chance to look at it. So now here's the thing. Now you said there was 1000 made or printed and then the first 500 were signed by Hugh, correct? Right. Okay. As you can see here, I have copy 561. So hmm. that tells me that maybe he signed more. Okay. That's just what I read. Yeah. No, I, you know, and, yeah. For it. yeah, absolutely. And I've read or that maybe, too. Maybe he signed the last 500. <laughs> hey, <laughs> wouldn't that be great? <laughs> it's, it's possible. <laughs> Who knows? Anything's possible. Yeah. Also, two days ago, Paul McCartney was at an exhibition in London that was quietly dedicated to Linda McCartney by artist Brian Clark, who was Paul's collaborator on his stage sets during the 1989 and 1993 world tours. He also did the album covers for Tug of War and Flowers in the Dirt. And in the 90s, Clark collaborated with Linda for a series of stained glass artwork. So that's where Paul has been in London a couple of days ago. According to one of my most reliable news sources, Darren DeVivo, <laughs> a never before published cassette tape with an interview with John and Yoko from their famous winter stay in Thigh, Northern Jutland from January 5th, 1970, will soon be up for auction at Brune Rasmussen Auctioneers in Copenhagen. The 33-minute long recording includes a conversation between the famous couple and four 16-year-old schoolboys who are allowed to interview Lennon and Ono for their local school magazine. And at one point, the never-published song Radio Peace is also played. The cassette tape has an estimated price of 200,000 to 300,000 Danish krone, translation in American money between 32,000 and $48,000. The auction will take place September the 28th. Also with thanks to our listener, Tom Brennan, who also supplies us yes. with lots of news here. Yes, Cherry Red Records will be releasing a DVD called The Beatles and India feature-length documentary. Mm. It's described as a documentary exploring the Beatles' lasting legacy from their culturally groundbreaking time spent in India and a unique historical chronicle of their enduring love affair between the group and India that started over 50 years ago. It features rare archival footage, recordings, and photographs, eyewitness accounts, and expert commentary, along with location shoots across India. It's inspired by a Joy Bose's book, Across the Universe, The Beatles in India. It will be available also on Blu-ray, and it comes out October 29th. To order this video, you can visit this website, cherryred.co.uk, and type uh, Beatles in the search bar. Mm. Same company that did the Magir reissue and the Raman. That's right. Uh, okay. All right, have to get in contact with them about this. 
Uh, Chris Englehart's final book on Beatles side projects, that songs they wrote, performed, or produced for other artists to be called The Beatles Fully Uncovered, is being delayed. Oh. From its original October 1st date to the fall of 2022. This is due to many new discoveries and updates for existing chapters from his previous two books on the subject. Oh. So if you love studying this other side of Beale's history, as I do, Chris's books are a must, a must buy, and I'm yes. sure it'll be worth the wait. Okay. Uh, the Weaklings have a new live album, which comes out this Friday. As you all know, the Weaklings are a power pop band, and they uh, put out a lot of original music that sounds like early Beatles music, and they've covered rare Beatles songs on their albums. This live album will be called In Their Own Right, <laughs> The Weaklings Live. It's made up mainly of original songs, plus live covers of the Beatles, The Word, and Baby, You're a Rich Man. Plus a tribute to Fountain of Wayne's Fountains of Wayne's Adam Schlesinger with their cover of That Thing You Do. And as I said, that comes out this Friday. Uh, Peter Asher resumes touring this Thursday for five dates in New England and New York. To see the list of dates, check out the upcoming concerts and events page of my website at KenMichaelsRadio.com. Also, sorry to report that the George Harrison Festival, formerly known as Harry Fest, that I reported on taking place on October 9th in Westport, Massachusetts, has been canceled due to COVID, and they're hoping to reschedule it for early next year. Unfortunately, we have the passings of three drummers to talk about here on the show. Of course, Charlie Watts. You know, like I said, we haven't done a show in three weeks. This is kind of old news for some of us, but you have to mention it because of his importance. All these many decades being the heartbeat of the Rolling Stones. Tremendous contribution to music through all those classic recordings. And uh, certainly Paul and Ringo made tributes online. Any of you want to comment about Charlie? Um, you know, I think of when I think of the passing of Charlie, it does it. It sucks. It really does because I, I, you know, you see, you know, people paying a lot of money to see, you know, these acts now, and you don't know, you really don't know when your time is coming. You really don't know. And even though the doctors told him he wasn't going to do this tour anyways, coming up, right. so they were going to go out without him. Um, but it just sucks that you know that he's gone now and his time with the stones is done. I mean, when I think of stones, I think of songs like honky tonk woman with, with, you know, uh, Charlie, I was some of the standout stuff with him painted black, obviously can't you hear me knocking jumping Jack flash. I just, just, you know, just when I think of Charlie Watts, those are the songs I kind of, you know, come to mind as, as highlights, um, especially specifically with the hits, you know, I mean, obviously mm. there's, there's hundreds and hundreds of more great stone songs that he does a phenomenal job on, but, but man, just what a, what a career and, and it's just a shame that you know it's over yeah we could do a whole show on songs we love from the stones and yeah uh, the stones are my second favorite uh yeah. british band next yeah. to the beatles and uh rock steady drummer and i mean great drummer and uh but you know what my attitude is you know it's always sad when somebody leaves us but provided you had you know uh, you get to grow older you know 80 or so um uh, it's a good life. I mean, 90s better. 
Hundreds <laughs> <laughs> even better. Right. But you know, that's how I look at it really. Um yeah. It's it's uh just weird because you know when there's somebody you've known for obviously a long time uh, as a fan or whatever, and it's part of your youth, yeah. what you've always known now changing. Obviously, we all know that people they're disappearing, and I shudder to think about the next five years. Definitely ten I years, know. but I know. five years, maybe you know. Um, yeah, and he he was there from the start, Charlie. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I mean it's a it's a huge piece of of music history gone. I mean it it really is, and uh, and also I I always found him a you know really an intriguing figure too because how he had you know one foot in rock and roll and the right. other foot in jazz. jazz yeah. You know he was he was really he never lost his his love for jazz. I mean he was always you know he had his he he would uh, you know record jazz on the side and and you know I know he's looked so dapper you know in, in many ways he it, you know at times he didn't look like he even belonged to the band or, you know just yeah. had a, <laughs> had his own look uh but that jazz background definitely benefited him uh in the way he played i mean yeah. because he was he, he was rock solid indeed but then he could do you know he was so versatile and and having that jazz background definitely was a, a huge bonus so um yeah i mean just uh, you know as you said joe i mean you you know logically that we're going to lose you know more and more yeah it's legends, sad but it's still when, sad yeah absolutely and when you're dealing with the icons i mean the yeah. biggest names you know it's it's real tough yeah. to deal with yeah, you know, um, definitely during those 60s and 70 acts that, you know, were already established by the time I was born and then still going as I'm discovering music, you know, yeah. it, it's really exactly. sometimes it's really hard to deal with that when that's you, you've, you've known them for, you know, I'm 48 and I've like, I haven't lived, you know, without <laughs> Charlie. What now? You know, exactly. They're just know, always I'm, there. I'm yeah. Charlie Watts yeah. AD now, you know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. It's like it's it's cliched, but it's true. These people are part of our DNA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've often said that and I, and I related this to Ringo. There are certain people that you just take for granted because yeah. people oh, spend absolutely. a lot of time with the with the front men. And yeah. when it comes to the Rolling Stones, I'm sure most people think of Mick and Keith, yeah. but you don't think about the other key players right. who were right. a, a very important part of that sound. And part of the reason why I love the Stones is for the drumbeat behind the songs that drove those songs. And, you know, we take it for granted, but the music will always be a part of us. I think that's the difference with the Beatles, too, in a way, because I see all the Beatles kind of being in the four in a way. I mean, of course, John and Paul, you know, the biggest, and George, right? But Ringo, you know, Ringo's always been, you know, Ringo out there, promotion, do solo projects, talk shows, uh, you know, uh, albums. You know, it's always out there in the front, not just behind. Remember, you know, you're also dealing with 30 years of Ringo touring, you know, from being (laughs) a front man doing (laughs) that. But there are a lot of people who unfortunately look at the Beatles as being like John's band or Paul's band or John and Paul's band. Right. And like George said, that uh, he and Ringo were the economy class Beatles, you know. (laughs) And wow. You know, it all depends on how you look at it. I I hope that most people, when they study the Beatles, will realize 
but it was those four guys that made up the Beatles and the people around them, George Martin, Brian Epstein, the engineers, they all played a part, you know? Anyway, let's talk about another drummer here, and that's Ron Bushy from the band Iron Butterfly. Uh, Bushy's uh, primal drumming would go on to influence many of his peers, and there was an article um from last year in rolling stone which included an interview with bushy where he said that ringo and paul came to see the band iron butterfly at royal albert hall ringo took him out to dinner and drinks and said to him i hope you don't mind i stole part of your drum solo from Inagata de vita <laughs> for the abbey road solo that he did in the end and bushy said i told him not at all uh, i took it as a compliment coming from you Every now and then I've heard that about Inagata de Vida. I wasn't sure about that, mm. whether Ringo borrowed anything from it, but apparently he said that to Ron Bushy from the band mm. who just passed away. And I've also heard that the original drummer for The Circle, Marty Freed, died on September the 1st. The band toured with the Beatles on their 1966 US tour and were known for their hits, Red Rubber Ball and Turn Down Day. And the group was managed by Brian Epstein. Mm. And in recent years, the group reformed with original member Don Daneman. And they're still out there with Don. Mm. So um, I remember hearing they had planned on possibly, you know, working something out with the Fest for Beatles fans. Not sure if that's going to happen. Yeah. So in their own way, the circle lives on through through Don. And one last thing. Let's close with some happy news. Happy birthday. Today, it's the big 5-0 for Stella McCartney. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, as Paul would say, baby Stella. Baby Stella. <laughs> it's okay. about time, right? Right. <laughs> about <laughs> leaping time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> very good. Very, very good. Yes. There's a lot of great photos of, of Paul and, you know, his his you know, especially his daughters. I mean, you know, there's a lot of great ones with James as well, but he just doesn't seem mm. to be in the limelight as much as, as right. the, you know, the, you know, um, Stella and uh, Mary, but um, I mean, a lot of great photos of, of Paul and, and those two, you know, very easy to just see the love, you know, that they have for each other. Yeah. Well, they're a very close knit family. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Mary and Stella do a lot to promote, along with Paul, Linda's work as a photographer. And, you know, the the family are vegetarians. So they're very close in so many ways, always supporting of each other. It's just something to admire about the McCartneys. And I always gave Stella, I always gave Stella a lot of credit too, because, you know, in the beginning of her fashion career, a lot of people were saying, oh, you know, she just got the position at Chloe and everything because of her, of her father and, you know, and all that, but she sure has shown them. I mean, she's been a successful designer. Yeah. I mean, I can go run and get my wife's pair of McCartney shoes or Stella's shoes if you want and see how nice they look. She loves them. (laughs) Yeah. She absolutely loves them. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, she has has definitely been, you know, successful and she has earned it. Yeah. Yeah. No She's question. one of the biggest names now in the fashion industry. So so good for her. All right. So we're uh, we're going to discuss, as I said before, this album right here. Stop mm. and Smell the Roses, which came out in 1981, 40 years ago next month. 
A little bit of info about the album that was recorded from July 11th, 1980 through February 12th of 1981, released October 27th of 1981. It peaked at number 98 on the Billboard album charts here in America, had lots of contributions from people like Paul McCartney, George Harrison, Harry Nilsson, Stephen Stills, and Ron Wood. And uh, at the time, Ringo moved from Portrait Records to uh, an RCA subsidiary. Actually, uh, Portrait was part of uh, CBS. And he moved to uh, Boardwalk, which mm -hmm. was a subsidiary of RCA in the United States. And he was on RCA in the UK with this album. And after this album didn't do well, both labels dropped him. So he was a man without a label. Yep. And um, as I said, Paul and George contributing to the album, John Lennon was going to be involved with this album. And in fact, uh, on November 26th of 1980, Ringo and John met at the Plaza Hotel in New York, and John offered him a demo of Life Begins at 40, which we've heard before. It was on the Lost Lennon tapes and also uh, the John Lennon anthology box set. It was also reported that he gave Ringo a demo for Nobody Told Me that every now and then you hear was written for Ringo. Right. Sometimes I just question this because if that's the case, why did John spend a lot of time with the studio musicians that he had well, during the Double Fantasy session? Interesting you should say that. I just, got, himself. I just got a John Lennon, uh, another bootleg of that, uh, you know, uh, Lost Lennon tapes uh, stuff. And yeah. I heard the one when he says... This one's for Ringo, and he and he right. at the beginning, and he does. Nobody told me. Yeah, well, the song so. has a bit of history because it started off around 1976. He started writing the song, and he made a demo there. I'm not sure which one he says this one's for Ringo. It might have been originally for him, but you know, I've read that he gave a demo of that song to Ringo. I'm not totally sure if that's accurate, and Ringo never talks about it. That's never brought up in any mm. interview. So it is possible that originally it was written for Ringo, but, um, you know, John did a great recording of it with his band uh, and it became a huge hit for him released on Milk and Honey. Uh, John and Ringo set a date of January 14th, 1981 to record together. And unfortunately, because of the circumstances of John's death, um, Ringo obviously found it too difficult to record and the irony of a title like life begins at 40 which right. applied to both john and ringo mm -hmm. and here john's life is being taken away you know um unfortunately there were no john lennon songs to be to be represented on this album originally it was going to be called can't fight lightning and you guys have the the starstruck cd there mm -hmm. yeah. with the original Album what cover. did I do with it? <laughs> oh no! We'll, we'll, we'll bring it up. <laughs> oh, there it is. Okay. It's also it's also in the CD. Yes, that's right. That's yeah. the cover. It's got Barbara on the sure. bottom there. See? Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. Taking it out. Yeah, it's yeah. She's yeah. cut out on this on the Starstruck. Yeah. So they kind of cropped her out of there. Nice cover design. Mm -hmm. So um, let's just start this conversation. Uh, well, first of all, I didn't mention that. Obviously, all Beatle fans and music fans of the world were looking towards the other Beatles to know if they would say anything about 
John's death and their music. And of course, George had all those years ago, which was a big hit, the early part of 81 before this album came out. And uh, Paul had here today on the Tug of War album, there was no actual tribute to John uh, on Stop and Smell the Roses. Um, again, must have been really difficult for Ringo to deal with. H how do you confront that situation? Right. But um, since all of us are different ages here, we all come in, into the Beatles and their solo music in different ways. And we've talked about this before, like with you, Kit, with, you know, through Michael Jackson, you know, appreciating Paul and investigating Paul's music. And from that, studying more and more about the Beatles and also their solo music. And, you know, not all of us had the luxury as I have to follow every album as it came out chronologically. Right. So for you guys, how was it for you? When did you first discover this album? Were you trying to listen to their solo music in chronological order? Or did you just, you know, take whatever you can get or find in a record store and then, you know, investigate the music that way. Mm -hmm. So um, let me start with you, Kit. I, you know, with Ringo, I was kind of a, a latecomer to Ringo's uh, catalog. And I really didn't really try to, you know, go chronologically with, with his stuff. Um, mm. I remember uh, encountering this album um, through... Uh, a catalog, uh, you know, a mail order uh, catalog. It was a, mm. um, a collectibles uh, uh, catalog. And I think it may have been just called collectibles. I'm not sure. I'm sure it's long out of business, <laughs> but, um, and it was billed as a, uh, a twofer that you could get. It was mm. old wave. Yes. Yeah. yeah okay. Old wave yeah. and stop and smell the roses. It was issued on the right stuff label right. and That's these were the billed yeah billed as super rare and i of course but yeah this was billed as super <laughs> rare stuff super rare yeah i mean to the point where you're paying double digits for the cds on like ebay or discogs whereas if you wanted to get a used copy of on the vinyl you can get it for 10 cents yeah you know. yep but you know i and i'm trying to remember if this was like Oh, I'm, I'm guessing like early 90s, maybe. I 94. mean, this, yeah, yeah, okay. So, yep, it was around there. And um, yeah, definitely pre internet. And so I was really excited, you know, because I was, you know, really starting to collect. I was getting into bootlegs at this point. I was, uh. you know, so I thought I had gotten something really rare. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what, that's how it was you know, pitched in this catalog. And so, right. uh, so right. I got these two, you know, two together. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, that's how I came across this because I thought it was like this super rare collector's uh, edition. And, um, you know, and yeah, when I listened to it, I was kind of surprised because, you know, I, I, I was, as I said, just getting into Ringo's catalog. Uh, at this point and, and it wasn't quite what I expected I mean you know I was starting to get into time takes time at that right. point because it was you know starting to I, I think uh, weight of the world it was fairly recent uh, right. fairly at that point um, and I knew of his big hits by this point mm. I mean, you mm -hmm. know, but but this I you know so my first reaction was kind of huh 
not what I expected. <laughs> and I don't know any of these songs. What, you know, so it was, it was kind of a, a little bit of confusion when I, when I first heard these. And I didn't know the backstory or anything. Right. Right. So I went into these blind, absolutely blind. Sometimes it's better to go into music without a backstory. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. so, Absolutely. you know, you don't have to be, you don't have to think about the history of what led to it. And you're only concentrating on the music and blocking out everything else, yep. which I think is a good way to go into mm-hmm. listening to the music that you're not familiar with. Yeah. So, yeah. How about you, Tom? When did you discover this album? Well, um, right around the time of Vertical Man, um, you know, my uncle and I, um, we got the album ourselves. We loved it. And I was like, okay, I, since I had been already getting a few things from Paul, John, and George, okay, maybe we should get some stuff for Ringo. So I remember finding, um, obviously, the, you know, the Blast from Your Past and, you know, the Ringo album. Those were, those were easy to find. Now, I was very fortunate to find the CD around that time of the, you know, 97, 98, um, right around that time. However me being very the impatient person that I am I did not like this album the first time I heard it or the first couple times I listened to it because at the time also my uncle and I we were doing that you know what if the Beatles never broke up CDs <laughs> you know we were making our own yeah making our own things at the time I couldn't stand this record and I got rid of it I sold it I got rid of it to uh you know use record store and let me tell you I mean after you know, I, I kicked myself in the in the butt after that because of how rare they and how hard they were to find after that. And luckily, I was able to find this at one of my used record stores that I have out here. And mm. uh, I was able to uh, to get it again. And let me tell you, I'm glad I did because uh, I, you know, as I will find out later on the show, I mean, I really like this album a lot now these days. Yeah. Uh, you know, so it, it really I'm glad oh. you know I'm kind of upset myself for not really giving it you know a few more listens and just you know being you know at a rush and just you know discarding it rather than you know letting it you know grow on me a little bit but um but all is well now so well that's that's the frustration that <laughs> I have well. talking to some fans who right. don't give albums a chance right. exactly not yeah. just not just with solo Beatles but a right. lot of music a lot of music I mean I can't tell you how many albums that I've had in the past got rid of them for whatever reason because I was tired of them or for whatever reason and then have bought them you know 10 12 13 14 years late again later mm. <laughs> you know down the line because I missed them <laughs> yeah well, my whole thing with that if I may is that you know how many albums are there on on, on the planet Quite a bit, right? Yeah, a lot. You mm. can't. I, I won't, and I can't listen and re-listen and re-re-re-listen and re-re-re-listen <laughs> right. uh, over and over, and get re-re-reinvested in things. Uh, uh, no, and I, but, and I get that. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, but but something for me, as I always say, is when it's something that I'm interested in, like whether it's Ringo, Paul, George, John, you know, I feel like, well, let let me give that more time because I'm that's my thing. You know, I'm invested in them and I want to learn it and make sure I don't miss anything. That's just me. But Yeah. Well, you know, I think with most albums, it takes a while before you become familiar with the whole thing for any artist. You know, it's very rare when you know on first listen that mm-hmm. an album's great. You know, you'll, you usually have a few songs that grab you instantly and the rest of the album has to grow on you. And that's yeah. how most albums are for me. You know, not not even every Beatles song I loved on first listen. Some took several listens, 
but uh yeah but um yeah so um do you think because we're talking at a time and hopefully we'll have a whole show on this 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 period when ringo after goodnight vienna the sales really dropped ringo's rotogravure ringo the fourth bad boy and then three years after bad boy stop and smell the roses sometimes i think and this i'm just going to throw this out to you guys and and to our listeners that you know there was a formula for ringo's albums 10 songs five on each side get all my best friends on there if i can get the other beatles on there try that get some other superstars do a couple of cover versions. You know, albums are very similar. Bad Boy actually was a little bit different because it wasn't a, a superstar lineup with, you know, a lot of superstars throughout, you know, track after track after track. But Stop and Smell the Roses continued with the same formula as, you know, the Ringo album or Ringo's Rotogravure, which yeah. actually had participation from the other three Beatles. Do you think that the public just, you know, grew tired of the formula of Ringo albums. And also, I'm going to throw something else out here. Um, sometimes when you do novelty records, like the No-No song was a novelty record, but it was a huge hit, very successful for Ringo. And here's Ringo doing something like Drumming Is My Madness, which is done really well. And the title track, Stop and Take the Time to Smell the Roses, very humorous recordings. You know, maybe the public doesn't take that kind of music that seriously. All right. And that that could also affect how you think about the artist. You know, do you, when it comes to no. formula or even novelty records, how do you feel about that? Why don't we start with you, Joe? Uh, well, by this time, I think the problem is, unfortunately, that people were. I don't know if I'd say tired of Ringo or just uh, they were forgetting about Ringo because he did so well with the Ringo album and got so many hits off that self-titled album and then mm. followed through with Goodnight Vienna with the, the No-No song, for example, and there was good stuff on there. And he kind of like carried that over. But somewhere along the line, and we don't really know how, by the time we got to Rotogravure, all of a sudden, yeah, it wasn't as as, as much of a winning formula and i'm wondering what happened i'm thinking that maybe i think i'm safe in saying although i enjoy rotogravure i don't think it was as strong as ringo or goodnight vienna and then certainly after that ringo the fourth was even less so and i would agree with bad, that but <laughs> well bad boy the conventional wisdom is that that's what people general public thinks and then uh the general public was getting down on Ringo, I think, kind of like uh, a couple of, I don't know, weaker albums. And then, of course, Bad Boy, which when we talked about that, I liked the Bad Boy album myself, but I could understand why the general public was going like that, you know? So, again, we, you know, what I like, what you like, and all of us here, that's one thing. But what the public at large thought of and why Ringo lost his audience. Uh, I'm thinking maybe that's what what happened. Um, I I don't know if you when you talk to Kit and uh, Tom, I don't know if you just forgot about. I was gonna like offer some stuff in there too as to when I first heard the album and what I yeah, thought of it. Um, well, by that time I was already really invested big time because 
I would say my first album that I actually went to buy a solo album that, to get as it was new was probably in February or so of 79 for the self-titled George Harrison album. Oh. I think that was the first one of the first, but also I had bought Bad Boys, so that's technically the first one when it was new, but I went out looking forward after hearing Blow Away on the, the radio from George, I want to get this new album. And after that, I was just, well, it's a new album, I, I get it on the day uh, of release. So by 81, it was just, it's a new Ringo album. It's the, uh, whether it's somewhere in England by George, whether it's Ringo, it's the new album to get. And I liked it immediately from the beginning myself. I thought it was a winner. Uh, I loved the single rack, my brain, which, you know, we'll get into that. It had a great video. I thought to it, me being a fan of monster movies and things, the theme of the haunted house with the monsters i just thought it was so a good song (laughs) you know written by uh george you know george harrison's offering really um and i you know i thought this one is gonna i think it's gonna do pretty good for ringo but apparently as i said in the beginning i think that maybe the general public was just kind of like forgetting about ringo or disregarding him and it was what was it going to take for him to come back to the point where, yeah, the general public's gonna gonna want to be interested, which I thought was going to be time takes time, mm-hmm. yeah. which did take a lot of time. <laughs> it took a yes. lot of years. Nineteen ninety two, you know, and that didn't do it. And that was a great album. That's that's arguably one of his very best. Uh, you right. know, we always talk about it. I think it's the second best album. It could even be the best. You know, depending on a good day. But mm-hmm. the Ringo self titled is pretty hard to beat but yeah so there's the answer to that question uh, my p- opinion to that question why it could have happened i just i don't think roto reviewer was as strong as the other two i like it now uh, quite a bit it's kind of come back for me as as, as an album I'm, re- I'm almost discovering it really for the first time Mm. Uh, with New Year's kind of, I like that album now. But I, again, I, I, I just think the general public was kind of like getting down on Ringo. And yeah. they've never recovered. Never recovered. Yeah. Well, before I ask Tom and Kit about what I just said, um, when I first listened to this album, I was working at a record store, one of the biggest ones on Long Island, Record World. And so, whenever a new release came out, I was aware of it. But I'm sure at the time. I subscribed to Beatle fan. I knew that the album was going to come out. So the day of its release, I'm sure I probably picked it up. So, um, and I know that with a lot of Ringo albums, I think he puts a lot of effort into side one (laughs) and side one tends (laughs) to be stronger than side two. Sometimes side two has this feeling of let's wrap it up. But, um, (laughs) you know, I really loved side one of stop and smell the roses a lot. And I've come to, to really enjoy the second side a lot through the years but um i also want to throw out and so i'm going to have a lot of things to to ask you all at once because all this is all popping in my head right now but um you know music changed a lot especially the second half of the 70s and you had you know disco coming in and punk rock and new wave and ringo's music didn't change all that much and there were a few dance tracks on ringo the fourth Um, But as I've said here on this show, and this is my honest opinion, whereas I don't think 
you know, Ringo's Rodegavure, Ringo the Fourth, Bad Boy, Stop and Smell the Roses, any of those albums are as good as the Ringo album. I don't see how they're necessarily that much weaker than, say, Goodnight Vienna. I think they're all kind of close in quality. But I just think in, in some ways, it could be also that music changed so much that Ringo's music didn't change enough. Right. Yeah. But um, let's touch upon these subjects with you, Tom, and you, Kit, what I said before about yeah. formula novelty the idea of that and music changing tom yeah. you want to yeah thanks ken um a little bit you know i have thought about this quite quite often and and in the terms of sales especially in the second half of the 70s and you touched upon this with all the you know the new genres of music being as popular as they were i think for the whole Beatles world, I mean, except except for Paul, I mean, I think people were kind of getting Beatled. The casual fan were probably getting Beatled out a little way. And I think, except for Paul, I mean, I think that was evident with the charts. I mean, George wasn't lighting the world on fire in the second half of the 70s, even though we love those albums, all four of us. But at chart wise, those, those two albums at least went top 20. Correct. But they weren't number one hits like those first two records, those first two records were, mm -hmm. um, you know, and then the same thing with Ringo. I, I just don't think there was a lot of memorable songs on there on those second half of the 70s um, for for him to to sustain relevance or and then plus the formula, maybe, you know, obviously you want to go out on your own. You want to see if you can, you know, do this on your own and, and, and make hit and write hits. And, you know, he had the Poncia as, as his co-writer for, for a while, but they just wasn't working. And I think by 81, I mean, he was, he's, you know, with the can't fight lighting, I think he was trying to get back to that formula of, you know, coming back and having, you know, you know, John Paul and George on him, you know, all, even though he had great musicians on those past records, it, it just wasn't, you know, for me, a lot That's of those arrangements, yeah. That's not what would sell it. Yeah. Correct. Correct. So, so for me, I mean, I can see the general public just getting kind of burnt out on 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 the Beatles, and then you know, obviously, you know, Bee Gees are are hot. Uh, Frampton, mm -hmm. Fleetwood Mac. You know, there's just so many. You know, in disco, and there's so much you know to choose from you know elvis costello's coming up you know all these great uh, police um all these great bands that would go on to be huge in the in the in the 80s um mm -hmm. were coming to coming up and, and getting popularity so i can just see a lot of them just you know moving along yeah right I, well i didn't yeah. feel that the, that people were burnt out on the beatles i mean uh as a group well, maybe I mean, not as a group maybe not as a group solo, but as individual you know, artists yeah. i mean yeah. the exception being paul because he was still having great success yeah. in the yeah. second because i mean you had the, the rock and roll music right. album was right. was that's when i started really i was really getting into them right. in 75 to like 80 you know that's what i was really getting heavily heavily into them but not just for me but um yeah they were still and they had you know they made the sergeant pepper movie <laughs> you know it's you know, BGs and everything, but uh, you know, they still seem popular. But yeah, I, the other—I mean, I'm with you on the other part of it, the solo area, maybe not as Ringo, especially. Well, I think rock and roll music did extremely well, but then all the other compilations, less and less. I think that the public got kind of tired of it—the whole well, idea. Yeah. No, the Hollywood Bowl. Hollywood Bowl. Oh, yes, love songs. very good point. Yeah, but I, they weren't as successful as rock and roll music. Still successful, but no. each one getting less and less. 
And by the time you had real music and 20 greatest hits, you know, it's basically the Beatles oh, fans yeah. who will buy everything. Right. Mm. And that's it. Yeah. So, and I definitely felt being in radio back in the 80s that there was a, a Beatles fatigue as a group in that decade in particular. Mm. And it really bounced back in the 90s when right. you had, you know, the BBC and then the Beatles anthology right. happening. But, um, Kit, do you want to respond on all these points? Yeah. Um, well, uh, first of all, uh, uh, our friend Tony DeMeo points out that, you know, that Paul did try, you know, to keep up with the times. And, mm -hmm. you know, like, of course, with Back to the Egg when he dipped into punk uh, right. and, and New Wave and, and did that even more with McCartney, too, with, with New Wave and on. And, yeah, as we've been sort of talking about, yeah, Ringo didn't really, well, he did Ringo the Fourth with Disco. I mean, he did uh, touch, you know, get into that a bit. But, oh, yeah, you know, well, a bit. Yeah, uh, close but, enough. <laughs> yeah, his version. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, but, yeah, I, I think that was part of it, that I, I think by 81, I mean, it's he, he really hadn't change that much and also i want to point out you know that's really walking a fine line i mean you know paul was able to do that that he was able to try these new styles without going overboard i mean you know you, you hear that sometimes where you, you hear older artists try different styles and you know like hearing paul rap would would be ridiculous mm. You know, I mean, that was, I, hope, I hope he feels the same. Yeah, I mean, you know, there, there have been cases where, you know, some older artists have tried, you know, they go way overboard with, you know, trying to sound current. You know, you can't you have to strike a balance uh, where where you you can adapt some modern sounds, but but still stay in your lane <laughs> to to mm -hmm. a point. So that's hard. That is really hard to do. And uh, and I think you know, Ringo couldn't really find that balance. Um, and so that, that hurt him. Uh, also, of course, you know, by 81, he was having a lot of personal issues mm -hmm. um, you know, with his drinking and, and so forth. And I think as time went on and he was getting more and more, you know, in, into alcoholism and so forth, I think his work suffered from that as well um and so i think you know and you could hear it sometimes i think in the music uh you know yeah. in his voice and, and so forth so that hurt him as well and then that's why you know when he came out with time takes time he sounded so great i mean mm. it, you know he was like he had a new energy to him and, right. and you as you were saying ken you know sometimes in, in some of the albums that came out the later half the latter half of the 70s and in you know into the early 80s it was like he kind of lost energy halfway through you know, uh -huh. the, the album and you, you could kind of hear it. So I think there, there were issues like, like that. And, uh, and I think, you know, that, that people, oh, oh, and also, as, as you said, Tom, the, you know, by 81, you know, you had new wave coming in, you had, um, of course, MTV was, was, uh, was brand new. I mean, yeah, people were moving on to, new styles and uh it you know Ringo was sort of being left behind and it was kind of either you adapt or you're left behind mm. and he did do videos I'm not saying Ringo didn't do any videos but mm. um but you know it's yeah, still it didn't yeah so it's hard for Ringo how Ringo to fit in with, with different kind of style exactly but although I think racked my brain 
came pretty close for the it's, MTV. That came the closest. Yeah, that uh, came the closest. But, I agree. But uh, but yeah, I think, you know, that it was a combination of factors. I, I think that led him to kind of, you know, the, the, his decline in popularity. I think it wasn't just a Beatles backlash. I, I don't think it was that. I think it mm -hmm. was more just creative, personal, you know, a, a number of factors. Yeah, and kind of like, as much as I love George's stuff, and I, I've said many times, albums like 33 and a third, mm. and the George Harrison album back to back are oh, two of the best fantastic. two in a row albums, mm -hmm. you know, and George's music did change a bit. Mm -hmm. I think it got a more soulful, a bit more jazz oriented, but I don't think it changed. George was not one to just jump on bandwagons. Right. And, um, you know, now people admire him for sticking to his guns and being right. more true to his roots, you know. It's a but funny see, thing. That, the, yeah. But no, but see, Cloud Nine is a great example of him. You know, it sounded modern. I mean, it sounded yeah. very, you know, hmm. very of the time, but it, it wasn't to the point where he sounded like he was trying too hard. Mm. You know, that, that I mean, it still sounded like George Harrison. Yeah, that's right. a perfect good, good, example. Good point. Good blend. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. So let's talk about the songs on this album and what you think about them. And uh, well, why don't we talk first about uh, the songs that Paul contributed? Um, there's Private Property, Attention. He wrote both those songs. And then there's a cover of a song that the Beatles used to do. Paul Perkins song, Sure to Fall. And by the way, Lawrence Juber is uh, present on a few of those songs. Unfortunately. Juber? Juber? <laughs> Who's that? Who's this Juber guy? No, it's Tuber. <laughs> <laughs> when the album first came out, it was misspelled, his yeah. last name. Uh, that's really, let me. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> I don't know if you can, people will be able to see it. Yeah, you got to show it if yeah. they can see it. That's well, the sure. T there, folks, Tuber. Yeah, well, Cooper. Yeah. Ah. Uh, trust trust yeah. us. Yeah, trust us. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's there. It's Tuber. However, they did fix it on the '94 reissue CD. So. Oh, yes. You mean mm -hmm. that super rare collection? Super uh. rare one that I foolishly got. Which has which has bonus tracks on it. That's right. Yes, you know. it does. It yeah. does. Yes. <laughs> which we have to talk about. You know, yeah. if you're if you've never heard the album before, get the CD. Yes. She got. Is it six bonus tracks? Something like that. It's yeah. like five. Well, it's 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 um five songs plus Ringo plus, does some promos. Yeah. He reads promos for uh, to ban handguns hand for the coalition yeah. to ban handguns. But yeah, you've got private property, attention, and sure to fall. And uh always had a lot a big kick in doing my show, my Beatles show, every little thing, and I would often call those songs Ringo Star and Wings. <laughs> yeah. so what do you think of paul's work with ringo on this album we'll start this time let's start with joe okay uh this time i was hoping you wouldn't go no i uh <laughs> I, I enjoy <laughs> i enjoy both paul songs on here private property i think it's a great opening not, it's funny it's not not great songs not paul's best work i don't think private property or attention but yet I like Ringo doing them, if that if that makes any sense. I, I accept them. I like to hear Ringo singing private property. 
Uh, you know, I don't think the, the, the words are kind of corny, but the way Ringo delivers it, I have a lot of fun with. Uh, it's known when we're in a crowd that there's going to be no trespassing allowed because she's my <laughs> private property yeah. and stuff like that. It just, how can I disagree, right? She insists that it's all for me. And I'm trying to think of the good, good words like that in there because I know it. Uh, <laughs> but no, I love the way Ringo sings it, though. Uh, you know, you'll be breaking the law. Yeah. I can't do it down. Um, attention. Um, that's a kind of like what do you, would you call that? A little dancey kind of like shuffle, uh, tap dancey Fred Astaire thing. Hmm. <laughs> Give me your attention for a while. Um, yeah, I don't think it's among Paul's best stuff, but uh, I think it works for Ringo, nevertheless. Maybe a couple of throwaways. <laughs> I don't know, Ringo. I have a couple of throwaways. I don't know. Uh, but and short of fall, I, I like Ringo's rendition of short of fall. We mentioned that also, right? Because of the Beatles connection when they did it with the Carl Perkins and so forth. I think I think that's a lot of fun, short of fall. And uh, I, I say I enjoy private property and attention. Just don't think it's the Paul's finest hours. Hmm. Well, I wouldn't call them throwaways, Joe, but uh, that's no, just my opinion. I don't no. think I don't, wouldn't. I'd be very disappointed if you did. <laughs> no, as a matter I of fact, I'd be very I, shocked, you know, too. Private Property, I think, is a great kickoff song for the mm -hmm. album with the horns coming in the way that it is. Yeah. And sometimes I think when you're writing songs that work for the artist, you know, that says a lot right there. And one of the great talents that the other Beatles had was to write songs that really fit for Ringo, that worked for Ringo. You know, I think probably the only the only song that I'm not crazy about that any of the Beatles wrote for Ringo was Cook It in the Kitchen of Love. love. No, but, I agree. Yeah. I agree. You know, that's probably yeah, the weakest of all of them. But, the, you know, yeah. what what um, what the other three wrote for him, for the most part, really worked for him. Kit, how about you? Um, well, private property. Um, I, I have to go with Joe on that one that I'm not crazy about the lyrics. I don't think those hmm. are among Paul's best. I will say, though, it's well arranged and produced i i was uh you know i think paul did a great job on on that uh like the bass line and the horns as you said it's mm. uh you know so i do like that yeah. and it is kind of a a great opening track uh it, in is. That it sense. is i i like it in that sense yeah um but yeah not now you're you're not gonna like this ken but attention <laughs> <laughs> oh man i i i just wow those those lyrics <laughs> i mean your just, love is fine i mean your love can be mine i mean <laughs> i mean it was like it, it was like paul grabbed every cliche he could find and put them <laughs> all in one song come on baby give it all you got Oh, yeah. see it in the get children people of tomorrow living for today you know I we can only get line. it if you try Getting to the power of the <laughs> i love I mean, those lyrics oh i mean i just thought oh my god that was like but yet it's fun i'm having fun when i'm listening when i, I mean, listen to it i'm a having a good shuffle. time i get that and the do 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 backing both i just could not i i i just could not no i'm sorry i mean i just could not connect with this one i i just thought that was not one of paul's best so sorry everybody who likes this song i i just know um <laughs> magneto on, and sure. titanium man or attention which one? Oh god i take i take magneto and titanium man to this okay <laughs> oh hands down hands down now sure to fall i love 
Um, I thought this was a lot of fun. First of all, I love country Ringo. I mean, yeah, he, yeah. he is so good. At, at, I wish he'd do another country album. I mean, he's, yeah, he's just <laughs> so, yeah, I just, he is so good singing. And I love the Beatles sort of throwback here, you know, kind of the nod to the early Beatles years. You're doing this cover. Um, and, uh, you know, he just, he's just so good at singing Love the Steel guitar. Um, mm-hmm. Great production from Paul. Uh, Lawrence Tuber is on here, which is great. <laughs> um, and, uh, and just, um, yeah, this is one of the highlights of the album for me. Is, is this cover so yeah, uh, so definitely mentioned... definitely Sorry, the three. Oh no just definitely the three don't forget uh, the cooler film too i don't know oh if and the cooler was, film yes i was going to mention that but those mm-hmm. songs at least private properties in there and so yes. short of fall right mm-hmm. uh, i think they all film. are i think they I all think are three. yeah i think attention's in there too yeah, yeah. it's a, it's yeah, a good little mentioned... a fun little film yeah. You mentioned the steel guitar, which is Lloyd Green. Lloyd Green playing that the same guy that played on Sally G. Yes, that's right. Yeah, love that. Love that. Yeah. Oh, Ed Rising's booing me. I'm. It loves attention. I'm sorry, Ed. He's taking my Philly Soul class too. Yeah. I'm sorry, Ed. <laughs> sorry. Hey. Okay. Hey, Ed. You come to the Fest for Beatle fans. You hang out with me. Don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> We'll sing Magneto and Titanium Man together, too. Oh, Tom, your thoughts on Paul's songs here? Um, I agree with Kit. All three songs, I think, are produced very well by Paul. I, the musicianship, I think, on all three are, 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 are tremendous. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, Lloyd Green, what he did with Sure to Fall and obviously, you know, Sally G. Um, I think that's probably my favorite part of Sure to Fall is Lloyd Green's uh, performance on that song. Um, I dig it. You know, obviously, we all love Paul, uh, Ringo doing country. So that was a great addition to this album. Um, Private Property you know, I agree as well. I mean, it's a good opener. This one, A Wreck My Brain, I thought would have been great openers for this album. I would have been fine with either one opening this album and then, you know, and then Wreck My Brain opening and then followed by Private Property or vice versa. But um, I, I do agree this is a pretty good uh, opening track. Um, I, it fits Ringo. Um, it might have been a throwaway for Paul, but it, I think it, it was good for, for Ringo, as, as, as we know that all three of them wrote very, you know, except for cooking in the kitchen. <laughs> 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 but they all knew Ringo and they all wrote, wrote song, good songs for Ringo. Now, I'm not saying it's a throwaway personally, but I'm just saying maybe for, from Paul, it was probably not a track that he was going to do for himself. <laughs> you know, attention. Now, when I hear attention, especially the opening, dun, dun, and then everybody yeah. needs it. I think of it as an off, off, off Broadway, the opening song yeah. to an off, off, off Broadway. Off, off, know? off, off, off. Off, off, off Broadway. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for a Broadway show called Attention, you know, and I just think it's um, it, yeah. it's, it's like a good opening number to uh, like a musical or something like that. Show tune. You know, it works yeah, show on tune. that level. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, for that, I, I, I kind of enjoy it, um, but I don't think it's I, I think maybe it's my least favorite of the three, but I don't skip it. I do listen to it when I do play the album. So no, I don't but, skip anything. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> but anything. again, you know, all the tracks are 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 very you know very well produced by Paul, and um, you know it, it, they're good on the they they have their moments. All three tracks and attention is schmaltzy, and that's okay, Ringo. I mean, it's a you know, well, I don't again, well, I don't think it's a right. it's a great th- piece Paul of work. Paul does schmaltzy very well. 
it, 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 but it does fit Ringo, and, and he does schmaltz, you know? He does, That's does, true. It, does it. That's it's very Ringo. important to bring up. It doesn't matter whether you, you like the genre or not. It's more like, you know, does it work for Ringo? Right. And there's a lot of stuff that Ringo might do through the years that you might think is corny, you know, or doing the novelty stuff. Like where, where did I love go? That, yeah, <laughs> yeah, there you go. Oh no! But no. Um, no. if it if it works <laughs> if it works for Ringo, and where did our love right. go? Did not. No. Um, <laughs> you know, that's one of the few few songs that I don't like from Ringo um, recordings. But I'm in complete opposite <laughs> opinion of what you know you guys have said about these three songs because. I think Private Property and Attention are great songs as far as catchy as hell, produced really well, like you said. I'm not hung up on the lyrics. I mean, you know, lyrics are not as important to me as melodies and how catchy the song is and how it grabs you. You know, plenty of times I've sung along to songs and not really concentrated on what the words were saying. Hmm. But um, I think these two songs work really well for Ringo. I love the drumming on those two songs um you know especially towards the end there's some fills there from Ringo that are very interesting and the bass playing from Paul on attention is really good there are these descending notes that really add a lot at that one part of the song when he's playing it um and I don't mind a song like attention being schmaltzy or Broadway-esque or show tune-esque I think it really works for him kind of like a an up-tempo step lightly if you will and of the three songs, the one I liked the least was Sure to Fall. Hmm. And while I love Lloyd Green and his steel guitar playing, I'm not a big fan of, and I said this about Hey Baby, Ringo's part of a crowd. Hmm. He's one of many singing along. Right. His vocals are not really up front. He's like the same level as everybody else. Right. Let's just party with Ringo and sing along with the song. You know, I'd rather hear... Uh, a lead vocalist, his vocals more up front. Right. And the reason why you do notice his voice is because his voice is so distinctive. I mean, you can tell, right. You know, even though you can, he can stands out in the crowd, even though all the vocals might be on the same level, like you said, but you know, his vocals are so distinctive that you can yeah. tell it's him, but yeah. I get your point. I get your point. Raise, raise his vocals a little bit more than, than the backing vocals. Mm. Mm. Yeah. That's the main problem I had with it. If his vocals were up a little bit more, I would like it much more. Mm. You know, um, I guess you're all going to say something really positive about Rack My Brain. I could feel it. <laughs> so let's start with Kit. All right. And before I start, I'm just going to give a shout out to uh, Jason Artler, who is tuning in right now from Sydney. So hey. he's in between wow. Zoom meetings. So he <laughs> wanted to check oh. in and uh, said he still has his first pressing of uh, Stop and Smell the Roses. So. Thanks for tuning in all the way from Sydney. It, you know, you hear something funny, though, Kit. On Am I got the, that final behind me um, mm -hmm. of Stop and Smell the Roses. I got that on Amazon two years ago. And those were still original first pressings sealed. <laughs> wow. Yeah, Amazon, I, have, I, have quite, that, I have a few of them. Yeah, they yeah, the the Amazon my had. Yeah, wow. so they still might be available. They still might have a couple. But they had a, still a bunch of original pressings of Stop and Smell the Roses sealed. My yeah. goodness! Not wow. a hard, not a hard. I guess that's how find. poorly the album did. Oh my gosh! Yeah. But but he said he got it when he was 13 years old, and he's always loved it. So cool. so Very yep. Good. So Good thank you, you, Jason, for joining us all the way from Sydney. My goodness. Um. So <laughs> rack my brain. Uh. Definitely. Uh. Best track on the album. I love this song. I, it should have been a bigger hit. 
Um, I, I just think George, boy, did he know how to write for, and produce for, well, he, I guess he didn't produce this, but he wrote for Ringo. I, I, I just think he oh. really knew how to write for him. Um, yeah, well, he produced. He did produce produce that song. He did produce yeah. this yeah. one? Yeah, okay. Yeah. I think he did. Yep. Yeah, I couldn't remember if he wrote and produced. Produced and yeah. mixed. Produced oh, produced and mixed, and mixed too? Oh, yep. my goodness. Okay. He just knew how to write for him. Um, he, you know, just the, the lyrics are fun. Um, the, you know, again, suits his voice perfectly. Hmm. You know, always wrote in, in that way. Um, and I, I just think this should have been as big a hit as, I mean, to me, it's, it's like on a level with photograph or any of his best, you know, songs, uh, best singles. And, uh, you know, it's just a shame that, you know, maybe if it had come out earlier, you mm. know, his career could have been a bigger hit, you know, maybe it just didn't come out at the right time. Um, but it, it just, um, it's, it's fun. I mean, I, I still play it, uh, you know, even as part of that great uh, collection that came out some years ago, that uh, the collection of his singles photograph, which I think Rack My Brain is on. I, oh. I just, I love it. Um, and uh, one of his best singles, hands down. Mm. Okay. I'd agree with you, Tom. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, not, not much more I can add to that. It, it is a great track. Ring, uh, George and Ringo, I think, know each other well. And I think, you know, I really believe this, that if they were to continue some kind of partnership throughout Ringo's solo career that they could have had that or that Ringo could have had some more some more quality hits, um, you know, not just good songs, but but songs that could have done well on the charts. Um, their, their stuff was so strong there in the first half of the 70s, even up to well, specifically up to 73 that I think they kind of lost out by, you know, by not doing more together, um, especially in the second half of the 70s. I know it was I Still Love You. Um, you I'll know, Still they, Love You. I'll yep. Still Love You. Even though, right. Even though Ringo kind of changed up what George, you know, specifically, you know, had in mind for that song. But I still think it, it, it works. I still like that version of what, of what Ringo did with that song. Yeah, but, me too. Yeah. But, you know, obviously, I agree this, this, you know, it went to 38, I believe it was yep. on the chart. So his last top 40. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I mean, if, 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 if it was a bigger label, maybe they could have helped push it, push the, the song a little bit more. Um, mm. You know, I, I mean, obviously, in the UK, Ringo wasn't doing anything. Um, so but here in the States, you know, I, I would have bought this single. Absolutely. <laughs> you <know>? um, yeah. <laughs> you, know? you know, that's a that's a good uh, point. I never bring this up because we do have um, a listener from the UK who wants to remind us that Ringo was like he was like a has been. Right. <laughs> but right after the Ringo album, even mm -hmm. Goodnight Vienna wasn't that big in the UK. Mm -hmm. So but if if the rest of his albums from the second half of the seventies didn't do that well, period. Right. What makes you think that if George had done more work with Ringo, that, that it would have, he wasn't getting the airplay at all. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah but I mean, if those songs, if, if they continued to make quality songs that were as good as like a photograph, you know, maybe um, he would have continued to get, you know, airplay with, with the song here or there. I mean, it didn't have to be every album, but at, at least, you know, maybe one here you know then another album then the uh, the next album do do something but i just think it was a shame that they didn't 
do more when they were both at the height of their popularity. Agreed. Hmm. Yep. Well, I think Photograph is probably the best song oh, by far. Yeah. Of, of certainly of all the singles. As much as I love Rack My Brain, I wouldn't put it in the same category as Photograph. But, you know, some of the songs that were picked as singles, which I love dearly, like A Dose of Rock and Roll, mm-hmm. um, Heart on My Sleeve is one of my favorite Ringo songs. You know, I don't see why those songs would do mm-hmm. much, you know, wouldn't do as well as Only You, <laughs> right? you know? It's but, just uh, but they for getting... the reasons that we're talking about here with music changing too. Ringo right. fatigue. I think that had a lot to do. Yeah. Well, Ringo I mean, fatigue. but, but we're, we're, yeah. the, was was the record company getting behind those tra- tracks? You know. Well, wait a minute. You know, I want to talk about the Boardwalk Record Company a minute because Joan Jett's "I Love Rock and Roll" was number one on Boardwalk. Neil Bogart. Mm-hmm. Uh, Right. boardwalk and they certainly pushed that i think I, I think they pushed that i think they pushed uh rack my brain too well if you want to talk about video wise it was everywhere it was on mtv it was on shows like merv griffin anytime there was ringo would appear they pushed it in that sense anyway the video right. so i think they, they they pushed the song um and i remember watching a show also on merv griffin and i can't remember the name of the guy he was a guy that was yeah, uh, i know who you're talking hits. about you yeah. know what, right? Yeah. Cal Rudman. Uh, Cal Rudman. And he talked, this is going to be, the, I, has to, the, I put the all on the table, the top of the pop. This is going to be number one, top of the top. I'm telling you. I tell you right here. I predict, <laughs> I remember thinking, yeah, yeah. And it, it wasn't, but he wasn't, didn't predict it too well. But yeah, but I, don't I, know I, I always. Can, I don't know if you can really compare, you know, I love rock and roll to, to rack my brain. I mean, obviously I love rock and roll was appealing to the, the audience that they wanted. They're, they're, it was appealing to more of a youthful crowd. I mean, I was actually, I was obviously attracted to that. So I heard it, you know, on yeah. MTV and on the radio nonstop. Oh, it played um, nonstop. You know, I don't so- remember hearing rack my brain like that. Right. On the radio Not on the radio. I didn't hear no. it, but no. I, I mean, I saw the video a lot. Mm-hmm. I thought, but Ken, I mean, you've talked day. about as well. I mean, the, the audience that they're going for is more of a youthful audience, and I think, right, you know, something like "I Love Rock and Roll" was definitely going to attract, you know, a more youthful audience. Well, I think they were yeah, kind I of see- surprised. I remember Joan Jett, pretty right. uh, connoisseur, also, and I think that uh, pretty much, I don't think they expected that to be that that big. They, you know, mm-hmm. after they were trying, they, they, she, the power she couldn't good, get arrested. Right. Joan but Jett that's also before. the power of a good video as well. I mean, yeah. that was uh, that the was, song's good. Yeah, the song's yeah. good as well. Oh, yeah. But the video sometimes helps. Mm-hmm. I don't think the yeah. public, at least the youth were looking for in the, the second half of the 70s and the early 80s, right. Beatles songs, hmm. you know, to be hits. I mean, every now and then there's the exception later on, like, you know, right. Tears for Fears and all something like that. But um, at that time, having a song that you, you got George and Ringo together, it's very beatle You got that George Harrison guitar sound, that yeah. stamp of George Harrison all over it. Yeah. Um, it wasn't what was selling as hits at the time. Right. right. So, but Cal Rudman, by the way, of, yeah, he, well, he was the publisher. I just want to say he was the yeah. publisher of Friday Morning Quarterback, which was a big industry trade um publication and they predicted hits at the time in radio yeah cal, cal is you know he, he's a giant in the industry and he's still around too he's in his 90s right. but he was wow. on he was on Burr griffin with ringo like you said he yeah. was predicting it was going to be the biggest thing wow but i, I gotta been. say though i mean i do i do love this song i think it's it's maybe the best song on the album i thought it was a great single for ringo 
you know, like we said already, I just concur with what Kit and Tom said. Uh, I like the way on the album, right after you get the, the abrupt ending of Private Property, mm. it comes right yeah. on very quick. Yeah. Rack my brain. I mean, it flows really good as a second track on there, I think. But and uh, yeah, so it's just a good, fun, up, upbeat Ringo song that uh, it should have done better, but I'm glad it was top 40 anyway. Right. But but how many? But also to add, how many of Ringo's peers were still having success in '81? You know, the, these acts that were from the '60s and early '70s. How how many of them were still actually, you know, selling? You know, you know, having number one albums or you know, Ooh, I Stones. I mean, well, the Stones. Uh, Stones okay, yeah. well, that's an exception to the rule. Yeah. Sure, but you know, Dylan wasn't you know knocking at people you know dead with his music at that point in time you know i mean i don't think a lot of the well he was growing religious the then. 60s, maybe you know. maybe not number one albums but you still had the stones and the who doing well oh yeah the who oh, and, yeah. and you know the who also paul yeah. was, is paul was doing well i mean it was yeah. top 10 yeah. or or the kinks too maybe the kinks yeah. were doing well yep well i don't think face value was was you know was setting the world on fire either um you know i mean the, yeah i mean they were out there they were doing videos they were getting played i remember you know you better you bet was 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 still a, was yeah a that's the first time i ever heard of the who right. was yeah well, i was young but i remember my sister who's younger than me right she was the one that's buying all the new albums and she was playing who are you and all that kind of stuff and right. you know but oh, I, I was like oh i guess there are yes. a few yeah, yeah. yeah. There you go. yeah. You there know. was, but so, then you also just, you know, you know, acts like Duran Duran were taken off, the police yeah. were taken off, you too, you know, I mean, so that, I mean, they were yep. just, they were starting to leave that older generation behind. I mean, they were yeah. really, you know, taken off. Just an interesting comment here from our, uh, from a loyal listener, Susan Gagney, who said, I enjoy the Canadian single mix of Rack My Brain with the tuba up in the mix. It's right. so unusual to hear a tuba featured in right. a rock song. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't. Yeah, I know there was a different mix. Yeah, it's, I've heard it. Yeah, it's, you mm. can definitely tell once you listen. Once you're told it's a tuba, you start mm. hearing it as a tuba. <laughs> yeah, cool. So let's move on to a few other songs. Um, Harry Nilsson played a big part in this album with "Drumming Is My Madness," which he wrote, and um, Harry and Ringo together co-wrote stop and take the time to smell the roses which is the actual title of the song mm -hmm. and then there's that medley of back off boogaloo which closes the album which is really a medley of you know beatles songs right. interwoven around back off boogaloo which um to me when i heard that i immediately went to that um that cover that harry nilson did around 1967 of you can't do that where he he basically yeah. you know he brings up a lot of lyrics of Beatles songs yeah. and it, it's all built around you can't do that this is the exact same approach mm. what harry was doing back then with you can't do that i think was very much ahead of its time but um you know it was kind of interesting that ringo did this to close the album but what did you guys think of uh ringo with harry joe we'll start with you well, I was not a fan of, of the back off Boogaloo business at the end. That's the only thing on the album I really don't care for. I mean, I say that, but again, listening to the album in its entirety, I won't say, okay, time to take it off. It's the last track on the album. You know, I still listen to it, but it's not one of my favorites. However, I do like Drumming Is My Madness. 
a lot of people pick on that song a lot. I don't think they get it. It's a, it's a tour de force. I mean, Ringo's the drummer. His drumming is his thing. And he's kind of having fun with it. And he even laughs at one point. I think he bursts into yeah. laughing. It yeah. makes me crazy. <laughs> and he starts laughing. I love that bit. But I, my real favorite sleeper to me that uh, is stop and take the time to smell the roses because it's a complete farce it's complete have a blast uh novelty kind of record like in the vein of dare i say you know my name look up the number and it's really enhanced i think by the video if you watch the video it's so fun with him like you're marching around and getting hit over the head, whatever happens to him on a bottle or something. It's, it, it's a funny song. It's supposed to be silly. It's supposed to be uh, making fun of yourself. And at the right. end, he, of course, he, he trails off with him saying, stop and take the time to buy this album. Right. You know, so I can plant roses and smell them all day long. Tell, go into your record shop and say, give me that record. Yep. I'm going crazy with this record business. I want to stop it. You want me to stop it. Everybody wants it to stop. You know? I love it. So it's very like uh, tongue in cheek, and I, I have a great time with that. Hmm. Yeah, he's not taking himself seriously, and I think a lot of people can relate to that. But then I was asking the question before: when he's doing this more comical stuff, maybe some people don't take him seriously when he does more stuff like mm. this. Who's your daddy? And yet, and yet the No No song was a huge hit. <laughs> right. <you know? laughs> Tom. Your thoughts on the Harry Nilsson stuff? Um, Stop and Smell the Road. Yeah, I really dig this track. I think this would have been to make it an, a great album closer with with what with what he does at towards at the end of the song, almost kind of mm. like the same thing as you and me, babe. You know, in a way, you know, go out and buy this record. I think you know you're hearing it, and then you know maybe you'll go out and buy a second copy or something. <laughs> You know, I don't yeah. know. That's, um, but I, I, it's a lot of fun. I really dig it. Now, the one thing I do have an issue with is is it's drumming is my madness, which is a fine track. But I I don't know. I mean, am I the only I know Ringo plays to the song, but am I like the only one that thinks that he, maybe he should take some liberties in the drumming area with this one? Maybe go, go mm. a little crazy, maybe make it sound like a little instant, bit. Inst instant amnesia or something yes. like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Uh, I don't know if that's just Thank me. You. I mean, right. no, it's not just you. Doesn't yeah. he say, watch me now, Riz off? And he's like, yeah, Riz off. Yeah. And then that's There's it. And then that's it. It's, it's just, a, a, you know, well, Rico's never been, ditty, uh, Keith, you know, Keith Moon. <laughs> you know, and I, I, you know, something like that screams for, you know, some, some innovative bills or something like that. I don't know. I mean, it's fine, but I think it's just kind of a little, you know, it could use a little more salt, you know, a little more flavoring, you know, if, you know, in, in, the, in the chef term, if you want, if you will, but um, <laughs> a little more cooking. Yeah. A little more cooking in the kitchen of love with love. that track, <laughs> but John's um, worst song. <laughs> but yeah, but back off Boogaloo, I'm not the biggest fan of when an artist revisits um, their past songs. Paul, um, but um, um, but this one, I, I, you know, unfortunately, I don't think um, succeeds. Um, you know, when when you've got something as great as Back Off Boogaloo, you know, why kind of tarnish its memory uh, by doing something different? You know, I applaud them for doing something different. Fine, but you know, maybe put it on as a B side. You know, don't put it on the album. Hmm. I mean, obviously, it wasn't going to be on the original album if it was. You know, can't fight lightning. It wasn't going to be there to begin with. Hmm. But um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it's a good addition to the album. Probably one of my my one of my two least favorite uh, tracks on hmm. on the album. I, I like what you said, Tom, about maybe taking that off, putting one of the other tracks on, and closing it with. Uh... 
stop and take the time to smell the roses. I like mm -hmm. that idea. Hmm. Yep. I'm agreeing with everything Tom just said. It doesn't happen all that often. Yeah, but, I know, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah okay. it's true. Kid, how do you feel about the uh, Harry Nilsson song? No, I, I love Harry Nilsson. I really mm. do. But um, th <laughs> these these collaborations just don't do it for me. Um, yeah, well, first of all, I think we're all pretty much in agreement of back off Boogaloo. Yeah, because I, again, as, as you were saying, Tom, like, you know, why why re-record this? I mean, the original was so great and, and to weave in all the different Beatles lyrics. I, I just thought that was very corny. And, right. and I, I just, yeah, that didn't. He kind of in a way started a trend there because a lot of acts, you know, Clapton, McCartney, yeah. Stewart, they were all, you know, redoing songs for either like greatest mm. hits or box sets. Yes. And, By the and, way, I didn't mind the, the version he did. Uh, he did a rehash of it on give more love. Back mm -hmm. off Boogaloo, I believe. Yeah. Right. Oh, part 20. I, I, that, that was better. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if he had done like a straightforward version, it would have been okay, maybe. But it was just, it just got too cute, you know, by, by, by you know, weaving in all the different lyrics. Um, mm -hmm. drumming, drumming is my madness. I, I totally agree with you, Tom. I was waiting for something to happen. <laughs> as i was listening mm. to this i was waiting for some fun you know really cool drum fills and right. something to happen and it never did um it just i mean there were some cute lyrics in it i mean you know it's will nod to rod Sturia, do you think i'm sexy yeah. <laughs> right. you know i mean it was it was fun it was cute <laughs> but <laughs> but uh you know in a flute solo i mean you don't hear many flute solos anymore <laughs> yeah. i mean i'll, I'll do do that. i like it though but it's, yeah. it sounds good on, i mean that was you, good they, you know I, I don't know who that was but it shredded that flute but uh but other than that, um and you know and the horns <laughs> but but it just yeah it just didn't really go anywhere um you know for me uh, and I'm going to be the jerk here and say, stop and take the time to smell the roses. Just, I did not care for that. I mean, I will say, Joe, watching the video did make oh, a difference. Gonna, uh, yeah, I fun, will say video. that. That's funny. I mean, like watching the video made it more enjoyable because just listening to it. I mean, he just sounded like he was drunk and just, you know, yelling the lyrics. <laughs> but then seeing him yeah. being silly in the video then it kind of pulled it more together. I mean, I knew it was a joke, you know, to begin yeah. with, but then seeing the video with it made it funnier. But just listening to it, I just thought, oh my God, stop. <laughs> I mean, I, I just did not like it. However, I will also say, Tom, you know, the, having it be a closer mm. maybe would have worked better. Mm. You know, maybe it would have been because it would have been kind of a funnier right. way to end the whole thing. Um, it would have made more sense, but maybe also it's another reason why the album didn't do well because I was a bit surprised. I didn't realize there was a video to it until researching, you know, for this show. Mm. And I'm like, why did they a good promo, you know, <laughs> you know, single for this album? I mean, I, I just, you know, why would they think this would be a hit? I, I just, uh, you know, that could have been because, you know, rack my brain, private property. They don't. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I got that makes perfect sense. Mm, but yeah. with this, you know, I, yeah, I, I don't think it's hit material. I wouldn't no. I wouldn't say make it a single out of it. No way. I mean, I do have a single. I think I do have a single of it somewhere. Wow. I think it's a, an unusual well, single or a B-side. 
I have it on Rep 45 yeah, somewhere. I get confu- kind of confused when an artist will do a video for a song that's not technically a, a single. Yeah. You know, like, you yeah, know, they, like they, the they Baby I'm Amazed, you know, kind of, you know, Stop and Slow. There's, there's been a few other. Um, Stevie you know, Nicks did a few. Yeah, big, few big artists out. that have done, you know, promotional mm-hmm. videos for, for songs that, aren't, that weren't singles. Yeah. 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 I just think, you know. Okay. If, yeah, why would he do it for that song? I mean, that, mm. that just you know astounds me. But then again, it's the and title then, track of the album. Yeah, and then do all that work on the cooler, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, um, that's a funny thing because with a lot of Ringo's videos, I don't recall, and I'm talking about the second half of the '70s going into mm-hmm. "Stop and Smell the Roses." I don't recall seeing it much on television, but among my friends who are collectors they find a way to get the videos or you, you go to mm. Beetle Fest and you'll right. see them there. And that's the only right. way you'll ever see these videos. Oh, yeah, you can get them easy back there. <laughs> a couple <laughs> of people were video. asking. All Ringo's videos. Yeah, right. a couple of people were asking. You can find the cooler on YouTube. It's, it's on mm. YouTube. It was uh, released in, I think it was 82, and it features, um, I think it was all of Paul's songs. Paul, that, yeah, Paul's, uh, in there. Songs. Paul's in yeah, there. Paul's, Paul's in, in there. there. Barbara's I, I, in there. Yeah. I, th- I think mm. Linda. I think Linda's yes, in Linda's in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. I haven't seen it for a long time. It's very surreal. Very and then it was surreal. directed by uh, Godly from 10CC. Oh, Godly and uh, Cream. Yeah, that's yep. right. Yeah, and it's short. You know, it's not long, folks. No, <laughs> and it actually was entered into. I, I forget if it was the Can Con Film yes. Festival. Is right, it? I yeah. So yeah. Mm. So yep. Check it out. It's very interesting. <laughs> Well, the Harry Nilsson stuff for me, I do like drumming as my madness, but just like you said, Tom, you're waiting for some great, you know, some fills from Ringo and it's not really happening. But the melody, you know, I do like the arrangement. I like the flute solo. I love the brass. That da, 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 da. Right. It's and very hairy. Like... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what do you expect? Yeah. Um, there's also a point, and I forget the, the lyrics here, um, but I, I find it funny when there's a line that Ringo's singing in the next line, you're just waiting for more lyrics, and he just goes, two. <laughs> so it's just <laughs> one word for the whole, uh, that whole my line My first there. name, you, you can call rhythm. me Thunder. You two. can call me Thunder. My first, <laughs> my, my first name is Lighting Two. Right. <laughs> but uh, it's, it's, it's catchy, and I love catchy songs, and I think this works. And... Yeah, it's super corny. Stop and take the time to smell the roses. But I think Ringo does it well. And whether you think he sounds drunk or whatever, I, I think he sounds like he's ad-libbing. And I like some of his ad-libs. I think it's really funny. Oh, throughout, yeah. throughout the song, you know, mm. Wave to a man in a rolls because he knows how to live. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, I love that. And you hear the horn beep, too. Yeah. And, and the thing is, on this CD with the bonus tracks, there's also Stop and Take the Time to Smell the Roses original vocal right. version. There's some other vocal right. ad-libs in here. Oh, Lord. Yeah. <laughs> you could tell if you listen to that version that some of what was released, that vocal, is part of that. Yes. But some of it is a completely different vocal. Yes. So, yeah. And back off Boogaloo, I'm okay with it, but I'm not crazy about it. But yet, you know, like I said, when Harry Nilsson did this first around 1967, it was brilliant. Mm. You know, it's just Ringo very often has relied too much on using titles of Beatles songs or lyrics from Beatles songs. Sometimes it bothers me. Other times I think it's clever. Like Postcards from Paradise, I think, worked really well. I like Postcards from Paradise because he just said, let's let's just do it. Let's just do it. 
all in one song. Yeah. Let's just get it over. You know, I like it. As a tour de force, again, I said, all that. That's another album, though, but I, I like that one. Mm-hmm. If he's going to do it, just go oh, all yeah, out and, for it. And the entire song is nothing but titles. Song titles. Yeah, it's just that's a complete it. Yeah. joke in a way. But it, but it works. Yeah. You know, um, my opinion. <laughs> Dead Giveaway song that Ringo wrote with Ron Wood. That was a real uh, pleasant surprise for me. Uh, mm-hmm. It's one that, that has grown on me, and I especially yeah. love all the keyboard work that was done on that song. I think it was Joe Sample that did that. Yes. Really nice. What are your thoughts about Dead Giveaway? Uh, start with Kit this time. Yeah, this this was this is a slow grower for me. Um, you know, I was I was kind of yeah about it at first, but yeah, it's a little bit of a different sound for Ringo, uh, different uh, kind of vocal for him, and uh, yeah, the keyboards grab me first. Hmm. Uh, you know, little you know, it's like wow, this is a little bluesy, a little jazzy, and and so I was looking at the uh, uh, musicians. Well, no wonder it's bluesy and jazzy, because not (laughs) only is Joe Sample on this track, but so is Wilton Felder, both of the Jazz Crusaders. Mm. So I was like, oh, that makes sense. Um, And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, um, as I said, this, this is, this is a grower. Um, You know, I think it's just that it's, it's a bit different from uh, what Ringo would normally do. And that's a good thing. Um, that's, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's great. Um, and, uh, uh, I think, um, you know, Ronnie Wood was, uh, you know, was, you know, nicely produced and, uh, I think he wanted to get Ringo out of his comfort zone a little bit, not do just a straight, you know, rock and roll and, you know, and and fifties kind of sound or anything like that. I I think it's, as I said, to get him a little, you know, a little bluesier and a uh, mm-hmm. little, little jazzier. And yeah, I, I like this track. It's, uh, you know, it's, as I said, it's, you have to kind of listen to it a few times before it, it grabs you. Yeah. There are certain Not songs me. where I like that right away. <laughs> the melody doesn't grab you instantly. It's kind of like I'm relating it to later on Alibi from Old Wave. Mm. Very simple melody. Doesn't go all, you know, it's it doesn't stick out very quickly. You just yeah. have to keep listening to it. And then, you know, this is fine. This is okay. I like this. It's so um yeah. Um Tom. Kit, I just noticed your shirt and I must get one of those. <laughs> being the, the beagle, sure. being the beagle freaks that my wife and I are. Um, <laughs> you must. You will have to find one. But um, yeah, I, I think it's a, a, a pleasant song. Um, like you said, Kit, something a little different from Ringo, which is is always good. I, th- I, I like it as a side two opener. Um, if, you, if you're going to listen to the vinyl, um, I think it's, you know, um, you know, side two, as we discuss, isn't always as flashy, maybe as, as, as side one. But I think, you know, once you listen to this album a, a few times, I think this this um, this song is the dead giveaway is kind of a highlight on 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 the side two if you're going to listen to the vinyl. So, um, but yeah, it, this was a grower for me as well. But I'm, uh, you know, in the long run, I'm I'm definitely glad that this uh, this track exists. Hmm. Yeah, it really is a highlight because it is different for him. Right. At least at this point, you know, at based on everything time, else right. he's he's right. released. Yeah. yeah. Let's talk a little bit about since I like it, by the way. Oh, Joe. 
Yes. In 19, <laughs> you know, in 1981, yeah. I liked it right away. Didn't have to grow on me that particular one. Um, I thought it was edgy, edgy and more intense. Like the guitar break in it. I, mm. you know, I, I just liked it right away. That's it. Short okay, and sweet. Good. That's that's great. <laughs> Fine. All right. How about you? Belong to me. We didn't talk about since we uh, mentioned "Rack My Brain." George also was involved with this cover of "You Belong to Me." which um, was a big hit several times in the past. Joe Stafford, great singer from the 50s, had a hit with this. And then there was a group called the Duprees that hit with it in the early 60s. And pretty much in the vein of, you know, you're 16 and only you, another cover for Ringo that I think was very well done. Let's start with you this time, Joe. Oh, okay. Well, I like it better than the one that I'm familiar with, which I think is a Dupree's. The old, real, the old, very slow one that everybody knows. Not that I have a problem with slow songs. I think as much as I like Ringo's Only You, I still prefer the Platter's Only You to, to Ringo. But with this one, I like uh, his version. Is zip, it's very fa fast and bouncy. I like it. I think it's more happy and upbeat. Mm. I, I just like what he does with this in this version, You Belong to Me. I like it better than... Uh, the slow one uh, from the 50s, which is unusual. But I feel the same way about Your 16 as well. I think Ringo does a better Your 16 than the uh, the old one. It's another one. I'd agree with that. Mm. thing about Only You is, and I understand that the Platters version is classic, no doubt about it. I mean, I like Only You, and John did the arrangement for, yeah. for, for it. Yeah. But the good I thing like about it. Ringo's I version is that it's so very different because it's acoustic-based. And he sings so well on that Only yeah. You, I think. For Ringo, I mean, it sounds better than, than usual on there. I mean, I think on Only You. Mm. Okay. Tom? Yeah, I mean, this one isn't isn't bad either, I don't think. I mean, I I tend to enjoy Ringo doing, you know, covers of those older songs most of the time. And I think this is, you know, one of those better ones that he did in that period. Um, if you're going to say this is like the you know first half of his career, uh, if you're going to lump this one in, in his solo career, that is. Um, but, you know, the addition of George Harrison on this track, I think it's a good production, uh, well produced by by George on this one. And, you know, I, I just don't have a lot to say about it. It's It's just fine. It, it, it's it's nice on this record but i don't think um you know it would have been a hit or anything for ringo it's just a nice i think a nice addition to to the album hmm. okay hmm. but in the like if it was the first half of the 70s if he had put that out as a single just like you're 16 you, yeah like possibly you know, possible anything is possible. You know, it, mm. you know Ringo was having so much success at that time. You know, he you could have thought that he could have sang anything. You know, uh, you know, um, you know, where does I love go? Could have been a hit. You know, <laughs> you know, in the early no, in the early seventies, he was having so much success. Then, I mean, maybe that could, you know, no, a no. different arrangement. Maybe you know, that's a tough but, sell uh, that one. <laughs> but nope. but I'm fine with it. I mean, it, it, there's nothing wrong with the track. Yeah. Okay, Kit. Um, I I thought this is another highlight from the uh, album. I think this is charming. Uh, he's uh, really as uh, uh, Susan uh, adds here, which is true. He's really good at these '50s covers, um, and uh, and the lyrics, you know, really, you know, he can carry this off. Um, you know, you can picture him on stage. 
you know, singing this in a, you know, theater setting. Um, mm. It's it's just, uh, I mean, the only thing I, I didn't like was in some of the backing vocals, they use kind of a vocoder effect. And I thought, no, 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 this, this doesn't need that. But other than that, mm. um, I, I thought this was very charming. Um, and, uh, you know, this is more, this is in Ringo's wheelhouse. He can, he can do these 50s covers very well. So I enjoyed this one. Yeah, you know, apart from what, we've been saying about George when he works with with Ringo you could say this about the other Beatles and how much they you know they write so well for Ringo but in this case the arrangement works so well mm -hmm. and George's guitar playing and that distinctive guitar sound goes so well with Ringo's voice yep. so that's part of why you know I enjoy that particular track on the album um, talk about one more and then briefly we'll discuss the, the bonus tracks. You've got a nice way, which is a mm. Stephen Stills track. That one is another sleeper for me that in the very beginning, it was like, okay, this is nice. But the more you listen to it, you really like it a lot, you know, really sticks in your mind and, and melodically it sticks. Um, yeah, it, it really takes a while to grow on you, but when it does, you can really enjoy it. So you've got a nice way. What do you think, uh, Tom? We'll start with you. Love it. I, I love this track as much as I like. I think I like it uh, equally as like I, th I love his cover of Tonight on, on the previous album. I, mm. I kind of like put these two kind of in the same category. I, I love his vocals on this one. I think he does it very well. I, I like the fact that, you know, Stephen Stills, who is a great musician in his own right. I like the fact that he finally worked with, you know, worked with Stephen Stills on, on a track. I think this was, you know, produced well by Stephen. Ringo sings it well and a uh, big fan of this track uh, it's probably my favorite on side two if you're listening to the vinyl but i'm a big big fan of this track hmm. okay very good joe i concur pretty much as the best i could say i really like the track a lot uh it's a nice song and uh ringo sings it pretty well you know i, I want to say that i think i've listened to it so many times that I don't know what the mistake is, but I think I hear a mistake at one point. Uh, let me, let me. So after a while, you know that thing. Let me tell mm. me so, so I know or something. Right. I think one time I see let me so or something like that. One time there's a you got a nice way of letting me so. I think it is. You have to so like I know. if you listen to it when the, towards the later the end of the song. I I think oh. that I always did say they said the wrong word there. Maybe kind of like happens in from now and then in a song. Mm. But oh, I could funny. be wrong, but yeah. And Kit? Love this. I uh, wish uh, Stephen Stills would write more stuff for Ringo. This is a <laughs> really uh, just a beautiful song. Um, you know, challenges Ringo a little bit vocally, but he can do it. Um, and that's good. You know, it's good to challenge him. Um, and, uh, you know, love the chord changes in the chorus. Um, I mean, I could picture Crosby, Stills, and Nash doing this, too. I mean, you could you can really hear that in some parts, you know, the, the where their harmonies would, would right. fit in. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, this is another highlight for me. Um, I, I love this song instantly. I mean, yeah. I just, you know, and, and it does scream Stephen Stills in, in various parts. Uh, it really does. But, uh, but yeah, these two need to collaborate more often. <laughs> yeah, I love how that riff, the da 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 and then the, the song itself is built around that and the melody is at the same time and you're hearing it really works very nice in that regard, yes. you know. I love it. So we have um, 
bonus tracks to talk about. You mentioned Stephen Stills. There's two songs on here that Stephen was involved with, Wake Up and Red and Black Blues. I like Wake Up a lot. By oh. the way, um, there was an original lineup as you were talking about, Tom. Yeah, yeah. I can do that, give that if you want me to. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so it, it would have um, uh, started with attention, private property, you've got a nice way, wake up, you can't fight lightning, rack my brain, dead giveaway, brandy, you belong to me, and stop and take the time to smell the roses. Mm. Right. So um, wake up, one of the Stephen Still songs would have been on the album. Right. There's a song, like you mentioned, Brandy, which uh, Ron Wood had worked on with Ringo that would have made the album. I think that the Harry Nilsson involvement changed Came later. a lot. Came later, yeah. Yeah. So um those songs were taken out for Harry's songs. But Wake Up I think is a really nice song. Red and Black Blues hasn't really done much for me, but I can certainly see Wake Up being worthy of being on the album. Mhm. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Tom? Yeah, yeah, I agree with you. I, I I think it's another track that Ringo does sing as well. Um, it's it's you know produced fine. I think Stephen Steele's and Ringo could have made a nice uh, combination um, on more tracks. I think we we talked about that. Kit mentioned that as well. And um, it's 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 the better of the. I think it's the, that. I think you got a nice way um, that wake up and then you know you, you talked about the other one. What was it? Um, Red, and black uh, red white and black blues yeah it's, it's probably my least favorite of the of the yeah. three but i like the fact that you know obviously you can tell this was a whole different direction there was more stuff with stephen stills that should have been on the album and what another one with with ronnie wood that, that could have been on the album so obviously you know after the death of Lennon and, and then plus the 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 label dropping him this the, the album just took a whole different uh turn you know right. so it could have been something completely different better i don't know but uh maybe <laughs> but that's Depends the great if... thing about having the um having the cd is is that you can take the bonus cuts bonus tracks and make it as it was originally attended you know it is so nice to have this cd because you're not going to find bonus tracks right. on other ringo cds unless they're b-sides or something that right. has already come out right but here this was a really big surprise Mm -hmm. to have six bonus tracks all together although one of them is spoken word the uh right i would like to know more about that the, the handgun promo um thing because obviously you know me being what uh eight when this <laughs> album came out you right. know i really yeah. don't know we the, don't know the, harry nielsen the history behind why he why he did those uh, promos well, i think for harry was, nielsen it was because uh, okay. obviously harry being so upset as to what happened to John and he okay he was backing up this national coalition to ban hand uh hand all guns. right oh so right they he, had a booth at Beetlefest for years yes yeah, yeah. and okay. and, and Harry Nelson I recorded to... a charity single for them right yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. he okay. was at the fest in 82 I know mm -hmm. talking about that about that yeah yeah mm -hmm. did you want to say anything about these Stephen uh Stephen Stills tracks kit anything nope nope I'm I'm good okay I just want to add that the song Brandy which we have to talk about, I think is a definite highlight. And I think it would have stood out a lot on the album. It's actually, it's, it's pretty interesting. It's a song that the OJs recorded that very same year. And so in a way, this is another cover. And sometime in the future, I will ask you folks this trivia question because Ringo also covered another OJ song oh. on a, another Ringo album. Oh, man, yeah. 
So, but it's a really nice song and it's actually about a dog. <laughs> You'd think it was about a girlfriend or something, but um, and it's um, very sentimental, nice melody. It's a standout song that I really wish would have been included. You know, if, you, if you're going to talk about songs you want to take out and add, I would definitely put uh, Brandy on there of all these, these bonus tracks. Yeah, I mean, Maybe it's a track I need to... I need, yeah, it's a track I need to get more, pay more attention to, if you will, yeah. um, you know, because I'm more, I've listened to the vinyl more than I do listen to, to the CD. So, I mean, I did yeah. listen to it th this weekend again, and I thought it was fine. Yeah, I, I think it probably could have um, replaced the, the back off Boogaloo uh, or, you know, re redo if, 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 um, if I'm being honest. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm definitely going to, you know, spend some more time with that and, um you know, give us some more listens. Yeah. And you've been so well known on two legs with right. this whole idea of take out a song, put yes. one of the bonus tracks in. Yeah. So I would definitely take off back off Boogaloo and yeah. put Randy in. I agree. Yeah. yeah. Okay. One more thing I want to add because I know Tom Brennan's watching. Um, <laughs> no, actually, no, this is John Bazzini. This is for okay. John because um, he let me know about this band from Spain. Yes, he sent me this band. too. Yes. Yeah. They're called Los Escarabajos. And this is a Beatles tribute band that's been around since the 90s. And I think it was the year 2000. They recorded an entire album of songs that John wrote that he didn't release, mainly from the second half of the 70s. And Life Begins at 40 is one of those songs. Okay, so they recorded this song and they actually did more like it's kind of like a medley going into another of John's unreleased songs, Howling at the Moon. But the song itself and the arrangement is very country-esque. In fact, the demo that we've heard of Life Begins at 40 sounds like it could be a country song. Yeah. And because Ringo fits so well with country music and in that genre, you can hear him singing it. Um, he was suggesting that it would really work as this kind of a medley life begins at 40 going into howling at the moon but if anyone can check this out um because i've actually featured them in my show every little thing you know there are certain people there's a woman named pamela davis who also is taking these unreleased john lennon songs basing what she's heard from bootlegs you know lost lennon tapes and all and doing her own versions because these songs should be brought out I think, mm. you know, it's very interesting to hear a lot of this stuff that John was working on, some of which you might think is unfinished, some of which you might think is good enough just the way it is. But this band, Los Escarabajos, uh, did so in the year 2000 and made a full album of jo uh, John's unreleased songs. Now, I've heard cool. this, like their version of Life Begins at 40. It's really good. Yes. I mean, they've really put some work into it and some thought into it, and it sounds pretty much like you would imagine it from what you hear in the demo yeah. you know so it's very impressive to check it out it's on soundcloud um mm. and if you search for the band I, we could even probably put up the link on our uh, facebook page uh mm -hmm. it's really worth a listen yeah I, I definitely agree yeah especially if you you know it's such a shame you had all those songs that john was working on and you never know with john if he would have revisited them and brought them into his own albums which he did with some of the double fantasy material right so um very important to hear a lot of the stuff that john was working on that never came to fruition 
So, but uh, this band did it. <laughs> so um, it'd be nice if other artists would hear these songs and do, you know, nice covers of them and, and full arrangements um, instead of just hearing John's demos, which are great to themselves. Anyway, let's wrap things up by telling everybody how uh, they can get in touch with us and what we're doing right now with our own shows. Let's start oh, with Tom. Uh, Ken- yeah. Okay. Well, before before we do that, um, I do, I just would like to say I do think this album deserved better than than its ninety eight, uh, number ninety eight showing on 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 the charts, and um, it's it's just a shame. I mean, I think Rolling Stone probably gave it the best review, and I think they gave it at three, gave it a three out of five, um, oh. at that point in time. So, you know, maybe they heard something that a lot of people, other people didn't, you know, didn't hear, unfortunately. But I, you know, I definitely wish that this album had more success but um but for two legs we um we're you know we're back now we just posted our our latest uh our our first video in in a month um uh we talked about i know um our friend over at uh tony over at uh was it uh ultimate classic rock as as a nick i'm sorry nick uh he did um he went he did the most underrated tracks on every mccartney record so we did our own version of that and obviously i had some disagreements with with his picks um so uh we did that and then we just did a episode with um our friend uh steve schnee who has a great youtube channel we talked about the back to the egg uh album had a really fun discussion on the the whole you know is it, is it power pop is it new wave you know a lot of a lot of interesting things um mm. you know talking about the, the the music and the energy of of that of that album so look for that this coming saturday um live we're do, we're back doing shows uh, live every week as well we've been doing a new series um this week is the third part where we um every week we talk about uh 10 our 10 of our favorite records we did a, it was it's really like a 30 our 30 favorite non-beatles related albums you know because we talk about a lot on the show about all the, a lot of the other music we love so i just thought hey let's really see if this will take off and see if other people get involved and just talk about our other favorite music. And it, and it has, and I've been really happy with the results of it. I've been mm. getting, uh, you know, a lot of recommendations of, of albums that I haven't listened to. You know, our friend Tom gave me a, a recommendation to listen to a Kenny or a, a Loggins and Messina record. And I've never been a big fan of them because I can't stand your mama. Can't, don't dance. So you can't don't rock and roll. <laughs> so because of that song, I never really checked out their discography. So, so thanks, Tom, for, for making that suggestion. I'm definitely going to check that album out that you suggested to me. So this this Wednesday, we're doing uh, part three, which is uh, 10 to one. So really the big boys, the 10, my, my 10 favorite non-Beatles related records. And I can't wait to show you guys what my number one favorite non-Beatles yeah, record is. Yeah, I'm dying to know that. Yeah, yes. me too. So check that out. Mm. It should be this Wednesday uh, time uh, to be uh, announced soon. So check us out there on YouTube. This is only going to be YouTube exclusive. So um, two legs, a Paul McCartney podcast, check us out and please subscribe. Thank you. I have a feeling I know what that album is, Tom. I don't know. No. Well, when we're done with this, we'll talk privately. Okay. But, you know. Fair. Fair <laughs> enough. Okay. Fair enough. Joe, how about you? I can't top that. I don't have, well, unless I tell you my last like 43 no, videos. Well, your, your video this morning, though. Oh, no, let's not even talk about that. <laughs> that's, got, that's got nothing to do with with music or anything. Um, 
Unless you want to see me give my opinion on the, the impossible. That's the one I'm talking about. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, I, mean. I know, but yeah. that's not exactly related to uh, music. Stuff. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, but it's something that's different, funny. which I appreciated. Yeah, I tried to do different. But anyway, my channel, as you know by now, is on YouTube. It's called Mean Mr. Mayo. And uh, the only recent things is that uh, there's a store that I found that uh, got a big, giant collection of stuff in and so many hundreds of boxes that they're putting out. Just scant amounts every week or so and i'm getting whatever i can that i want and it's a lot of beatles and solo beatles stuff so if you watch my beatles finds videos lately you'll see a lot of that stuff 45s and uh also unusual unofficial kinds of albums and uh, some of them are interesting and i know the last fab gab show that i did on my channel uh we, we matthew street and i we discussed uh the merchandising stuff again, you know, uh, is it too much, especially what's been going on with all kinds of different color vinyl and how many times can you buy and repackage something, that kind of thing. So that's the Fab Gab uh, show, which you can find on my Mr. Mayo channel. And I believe that's it. I don't think I've been doing anything else right now uh, except working. <laughs> okay as i always say i saved the best for last so I'm, we're gonna have to wait for kit uh, on my uh youtube channel my relatively new it's almost a year now believe it or not uh ken michaels radio i did an interview with the author of this book the beatles 100 100 pivotal moments in beetle history and that's john borak who also wrote a book on john lennon called life is what happens back in 2000 and 10. He's a contributing writer for Goldmine Magazine. And this book is just what it says, 100 important moments in Beatle history, Beatles and solo. We talk about some of them in this interview. And uh, it's a great conversation. That's my newest one. I also interviewed someone who's uh, been a big part of Two Legs, uh, Dylan Seavey. Yes. And we did a number nine dream show mm -hmm. talking about Ringo and him being a drummer. Yes. Uh, I had him name his three favorite uh, Beatles songs in terms of Ringo's drumming or th three songs he really wanted to spotlight. Right. And then the same thing with uh, Ringo's drumming in his solo career. Yep. And um, the touring, three, the, the star band tours. Yep. yep. So he did that as well. So again, that's on my YouTube channel, Ken Michaels Radio. Uh, things we said today, we did a show last week on what we feel were the best album closers um, from the Beatles group and solo careers. We all had different choices. We, um, <laughs> we had a lot of uh, honorable mentions, which went yes. on fairly long. And, you know. <laughs> it was kind of a joke in a way because it just was never ending. <laughs> well, there's so many really good ones, but when, yeah. when it comes to the Beatles, we had our top three and it was pretty much the same with all of us. I right. think it would be for, for most Beatle fans there. Two but, of the three um, I agreed with, for, for sure. Okay. Which one didn't you agree with? <laughs> well, I agreed with uh, Dana Life and Tomorrow Never Knows. Oh, you wouldn't you wouldn't put Golden Slumbers carry that weight in the end in there? Um, no, we didn't really count her Yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'd give that a little bit more thought. Hmm. Okay. Well, this, there's a lot of great ones. Yeah. You know, I put Twisted Shout there for an honorable mention. But um, yeah, so uh, that was in the last 
things we said today. We're going to be recording a show next week. Not sure what we're doing yet, but that'll be out next week. And of course, there's always um, my website, KenMichaelsRadio.com. Oh, by the way, on on uh, my YouTube channel, uh, I should be having Annie Nichols for a show sometime this week. So lots of two legs people there on uh, Ken Michaels Radio. Thank you. So multiple um, legs. Yeah, multiple <laughs> legs. And so, uh, what else? My website, KenMichaelsRadio.com, Beatles Trivia, every single week. Lots of interviews on there. Check it out. And that should be about it, I think. Kit, on to you. All right. Well, first of all, uh, you can reach us, um, of course, on our Facebook page, uh, on our website at talkmoretalk.com. You can reach us on Twitter at uh, talkmoretalk1, the number one, and you can email us at talkmoretalk, uh, talkmoresolotalk at gmail.com. And uh, of course, you can find us on our YouTube page. And uh, please subscribe. We are thrilled we're getting more and more subscribers thank you all for your support we really appreciate it and of course you can find us on virtually any uh, podcasting platform you can think of please subscribe there as well and uh, thank you for your support there we also want to give a shout out to beetle ed over on fab four radio who carries mm -hmm. this show and many of our individual shows thank you thank you we also appreciate your support um, i don't really have a lot to report because i am in the midst of teaching my class on the history of philadelphia soul so i've just been like just zoned in on that so uh so i'm uh about ready to teach week two and then next week week three so once i'm done with that i'll be getting back to work and doing some writing doing some podcasting all that fun stuff so if you want to follow me of course you can follow me on facebook uh you can follow me on twitter at kiddo tool and my professional uh facebook page is kiddo tools uh, keynote so you can keep up with what I'm doing. Um, and as I said, once I'm done with this class, I'll be back in, in uh, the real world and <laughs> doing other Will stuff. Will we see a return to uh, Deep Beatles uh, soon? I'm hoping soon, yes. Okay. Uh, yes, yeah, so, you know, that darn real life gets in the way sometimes. <laughs> and how? <laughs> and how. Mm. So I'm hoping to get back to Deep Beatles in the near future. So cool. stay tuned. Cool. Okay, we're all very busy people. Yes, yes indeed. <laughs> I just want to add, and thank you, Tom, for bringing this up because we didn't summarize "Stop and Smell the Roses." I really do think it's a very good album. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of what Ringo followed "Good Night Vienna" with are very good. I wouldn't call great, but they all have a lot of highlights on them, and this mm -hmm. album definitely has it. I think it's a very well produced album. Um, so, if you haven't listened to "Stop and Smell the Roses," give it a shot. I'm sure you're going to find a lot of songs on there that you will enjoy and uh, you'll find it worth your while. All right. Great. So thanks so much for uh, watching and uh, for Kid O'Toole, Tom Lignotti and Joe Mayo. I close with these words. You can't fight lightning. <laughs> Whatever you do. Sexy. See you next time. <laughs> do you think I'm sexy? Yes. <laughs> Hi, everybody. Talk, more talk. Shot, more